Today I want to wrap up a series that we kicked off a few weeks ago called Meta. Uh, Meta is that Greek word that means beyond or transforming or transformative. And it's a big uh, buzzword in our culture right now. Um, everybody's talking about meta, and it's a beautiful word to describe what God wants to do in our hearts. A lot of people today are anxious about their finances. In fact, I was reading this week, 60% of Americans are not sleeping well at night because they're, they're nervous about their financial status. They're worried about the, the rise of health care. They're worried about retirement. They're worried about buying groceries or or, or gasoline, or, or sometimes just the normal things of life. And as a result, people are, are having trouble uh, resting at night. And this is a huge problem. Um, God has some great things to say to us today about our own financial concerns, and that is the power of faith. Um, God wants to remedy our anxiety with faith. With faith. And the key to building our faith, as we're going to see today, is in and through generosity and in and through giving. You see, giving is, is something that seems kind of like the opposite. We feel like, well, if I don't have enough, I can't give. But actually, giving is one of those things, it's one of those divine spiritual principles that God promises to do amazing things when our hearts are turned towards generosity. So today I want to bring a word of encouragement and hope. I know that our economy is down. I know inflation is up. I know the cost of living is through the roof. It's in times like that we need to hear from God about our own circumstance. We're going to be primarily in Proverbs chapter 3, but I want to begin by just setting a little context from the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. Um, one of our favorite Bible verses, if you're a Bible person, if you like to read scripture and you're a Christian, you love Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in heaven. And everybody says, hallelujah, amen, when we see that verse. But the verse right before that sets the frame, sets the context for verse 19. And that's in verse 18. I have received full payment. And I have more than enough. I am amply supplied. And now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So the Apostle Paul, while he's in prison, he commends the Philippian church for their generosity, for their kindness to him. And he says, listen, because you guys have been generous, God is going to take care of you. Do you see it? So God's provision is tied to generosity. God's blessing is tied to giving. And we see this echoed all the way through the scriptures. Um, generosity matters. It, it brings us closer to God. It teaches us to care for others. And it builds our faith. It builds our faith. Um, when it comes to giving, it's easy to have um, a number of different attitudes. Some people give to get. You know, in other words, like if I do this for God, then God is immediately going to do this for me and, and I give to get. But that's never the motivation that God wants us to experience. Um, we don't give to get. We, we, give, uh, we give because we want to give. And we actually get to give is the way that I like to say it. We get to give. 
Um, sometimes people give by guilt, and giving by guilt is doing so because I don't want to feel bad, or I don't want to let somebody down, or I'm supposed to, or I'm going to feel bad about myself if I don't do that. But that, that never is the motivation from God. That's never the motivation. We, we get uh, to give. And it's interesting that Jesus spoke uh, more about giving than almost any other topic in Scripture. 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus had to do with finances, so that's almost 50%. In fact, we know, we know there's about 500 verses in the Bible about faith, and there's about 500 verses in the Bible about prayer. But did you know there's more than 2,000 verses about giving finances and financial resources? So it's a big theme all throughout Scripture. It's a very big theme. Um, I was playing Monopoly with my kids the other day, and we were having one of those just intense battles. And you know how Monopoly is. I mean, first of all, Monopoly can take forever when you play. That's like one of those snow day type games. And we were duking it out, and I was kind of showing my kids who the boss was around the house. I was buying houses and turning them into hotels and buying properties, and we were cutting deals and all that. And it was intense. And I couldn't wait to pass go and to get $200, you know, and occasionally I would be sent to jail and, you know, all that. But one thing that I remembered so, so distinctly was at the end, at the end of the game, all the pieces went back in the box. Did you know there's only two things that last forever? That's the word of God and the souls of people. And if we would have that perspective more with our finances, I think that it would help us to become the people of faith that God so much desires for us to become, to become. Um, let's look together in Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verses uh, uh, 8 and 9. And if you'll join me there, uh, I want us to see, number one, that my faith honors the Lord. My faith honors the Lord. Now, here's Proverbs 3 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with wealth. Okay, so um, when we bring tithes, okay, the first 10, 10%, when we bring offerings to God, it honors the Lord. And this word in the biblical language means to weigh down. So, like in, in ancient times, when a king um, was crowned, he, he was weighed down. He had the big robe, he had the crown, he had the scepter, he had the golden pinky ring, can I get a witness? And he was weighed down. And, and to honor means to weigh down, like to, to, to show tribute to. So when we bring gifts to God, it honors the Lord. It honors the Lord. It honors him. Look at that. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And honor is a theological concept. It's, it's echoed throughout Scripture. In fact, um, Jesus, Jesus was, was, was honored. Um, and, and Jesus actually had a lack of honor um, when he went back to his home, own hometown. And it said that he did no mighty works among them because, because there was no honor. When, when Jesus went back to, to see his old friends and his family, Everybody was like, we used to play t-ball with you. We went to elementary school with you. Uh, there's nothing special about you. And, and Jesus could do no mighty miracles among them. There was no honor. There was no honor. 
And yet Jesus went to the town down the road and did all kinds of miracles. Because there was, there was honor. Honor is a big thing with God. Honor is necessary in all types of relationships. Would you agree? Is it hard to be married if there is no honor? Amen? Like, can, can, can husbands and wives get along if there is no honor? It's kind of tough, isn't it? It's kind of tough. It's a necessity. Hard to have friends if there is no honor. So my wife loves to watch HGTV and the Magnolia Network. And sometimes I honor her by watching her shows. Now, I would much rather watch ESPN. Much, much rather, you know. And sometimes she'll watch some shows with me, but, but I'm telling you... Um, I know about Magnolia Table. I, I, I know about Fixer Upper and For the Love of Kitchens. Amen. I know about, how about a very Brady renovation? Did you guys see that one a few years ago? Oh, that was cool. That was great. Design Star, Love It or List It. Martha Knows Best. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And sometimes I watch those shows. I want to honor my wife. I also honor my wife with her shoe budget. Gina has a monthly shoe bu budget. That keeps mama happy. It's honor. She has almost as many shoes as I do. It's cool like that. Honor. Honor. We honor the Lord when we bring the tithes and when we bring those offerings. When we bring them. It honors the Lord, you know, to see our church grow. It honors the Lord to put rocket fuel in the engine of the church through generosity. Your giving makes a huge difference. Um, today we're going to baptize some people. It honors the Lord. Man, we want to be a church. Come on, let's celebrate that. We want to be a church that is about reaching people. And when we have resources, it emboldens the church to fulfill the mission of Jesus at a higher level. And we want our church to be fruitful. We want our church to, to be impactful. Our student ministry is expanding and growing. Listen, we get excited about that. I mean, and your giving is making that, it's making it move. It's making it go. God has some wonderful things for this congregation in the days ahead. And you know what? As we give, we see those lives changed. It honors God. We want to honor the Lord. Why should I give? It honors God. I want, to, I want God to know how much I think of him. And this is what the writer of Proverbs is, is talking about. He's talking about honor. Honor. He also goes on and he, he tells us that our faith helps us to rethink our priorities. Because listen, if, if, if you're going to be a person that honors God in and through the giving, you, you have to be a person that has the priorities of the kingdom. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Okay? And you see that word first 
fruits. The first fruits, that's priority, right? First fruits is the first portion that goes to God. Now, in ancient times, people didn't have Bitcoin and they didn't have the Venmo app. And so people would give through the harvest. And there was a barn at the house of worship and people would bring the, to, would bring the, the percentage, that 10th portion, to the barn as a first fruit, the first portions. God got the very best. God got the first. God is always the God of the first, the first portions. And, you know, if you think about it practically, it actually makes a lot of sense that God gets his portion first because if we wait to the end of the month to see what we have left over, if we wait to the 30th of every month to decide what to give to God, God is probably not going to get that much. But if we decide that God gets the first portion, God gets the first fruits, God gets the first, God is first, so, so, so God gets his chunk, the 10th, the tithe first, then we can always be certain that, that God gets paid first. You know, on our budget at our household, we have, we have the tithe is number one. And then we have like house payment is number two, food, number three. And then it's like everything else. But God's at the top. God's first. God's first. And God wants to be put first. God wants to be put first. Uh, he, Romans eleven sixteen gives us a little insight into this. It says that there's a spiritual reason why we give to God first, and that is that now if the first fruits offered up are holy, so is the whole batch, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. In other words, the tenth portion, when the tenth is given to God, the ninety is redeemed. So when we put God first in the 10, then, then God says he's going to bless, he's going to redeem the, 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 the 90. So there's a spiritual reason. There's a practical reason. Now to be a tither, it requires us to reprioritize some of our spending habits. In fact, I, I don't even think it's possible to really be a true tither if you don't if you don't organize your finances a little bit. I've talked to people before that have started tithing and they're like, Pastor, I, I had some, you know, I was spending money on some frivolous things. I, was, I didn't need some things and, and I got more organized and actually, I actually started saving money because I was giving that tenth to God and, and I actually looked at all my finances and I found a lot of waste that, that I, I didn't need to spend money on. And so when we put God first, it's just amazing to see kind of the things that start to kind of shake out um, in and through that. But uh, I was talking to my kids not too long ago, and they were like, Dad, we want more video games. We need more Nike sneakers. We need this. We need that. Our friends have this. Our, you know, buddies do this and all that kind of stuff. And so I sat our kids down and I said, kids, listen, I appreciate that you have friends at school that have a lot of nice things. But I want you to understand, the priorities of our family are different from some of your friends. You see, we give this much to God. And because of that, that means that there are times that we don't spend as much on other things. 
Our family is about prioritizing the kingdom of God. But this is not just about what we don't have. It's also about what we do have. Because when we put God first, we have treasure in heaven. We have spiritual impact here on earth. And we are honoring God and we are putting God first in all of our priorities. And that's, that's God's goal. So we, listen, if you're a kingdom person, if you're living for the kingdom of God, you have a different rhythm. You don't look at your money the same way that your unchurched neighbor next door uh, looks at his. It's different. It's different. And that's okay. And that's good. That's very good. It is that, 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 that high calling that God has given to us. And if we love a certain lifestyle too much, we will never learn to be generous with the kingdom. We won't do it. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There will be also. And uh, every time this subject comes up, I hear two responses. I hear some people say, I tithe and God's so faithful and I'm so blessed. And then I hear other people say, I can't tithe. I can't tithe. I cannot do it. And a lot of folks are waiting for the perfect time to become a tither. And it's kind of like, you know, when I get that raise, when the economy's better, when, when, when I got this paid down, then I can do it. But you know what? Ne there's never a good time, quote unquote. There's never a good time to begin tithing. Amen? There's not. You just, you just have to start stepping forward in faith and saying, you know what? I'm moving with God. In fact, the best time to start tithing is as soon as possible. <laughs> right now. Right now. Uh, Malachi 3 gives us a little insight uh, into uh, the tithe. And it, it says there in verse 8, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing God in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it up. The, 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 the Hebrew people had a slavery mentality because they had been oppressed in Egypt for so long. And, and so many people were giving to God kind of like, you know, the three-legged goat and the brown bananas and the moldy avocados and, and, and some of that. And, and Malachi the prophet challenges the people to bring the first portion to God. Well, if you've been a slave and you've never had anything... And then all of a sudden you have a little bit, you feel like that's a really big struggle. That's a big deal. But Malachi says, listen, God will open the windows of heaven if you will begin to give. If you begin to give. He says, uh, let the storehouse be full. You know, we want the storehouse of God. That, that's the local house of worship is the storehouse. We want the storehouse to be full so that we can impact as many people for Christ as possible. We want to have a fully resourced church. 
We do. You know, a few years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, we were, our church was new. We were just starting. We had absolutely no money. I'm telling you, literally the offerings every Sunday will make you cry so low. And I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. I was so frustrated with, with the church. And he said, Ryan, have you, have, have, are, are you talking directly to the church or indirectly to the church about giving? I said, well, I thought I was talking directly, but honestly, I think I'm talking indirectly. And he says, you got to tell them. You got to tell them. And listen, I began to teach on the tithe. And guess what happened? Our church grew. We bought a building. Our church now has baptized over 800 people and seen over 2,000 salvation decisions. You see it? When the house of God is resourced, we can do everything that God has purposed for us to do. Every single bit of it. Every, it's exciting to think about today. And I want, you to, I want you to be as excited about the growth and expansion of our church as you are your own personal career, or, or, or how, how well your kids are doing in school. I, I want you to be excited about church. I want you to pray for our church. I want you to get excited about giving to our church. I want you to get pumped. Today we're going to baptize people. I want you to be celebrating that. Man, that's part of, that's part of you guys are a part of that, you know? It's not just like a, a few of us or the pastor or the staff or the whoever. No, all of us, man, are a part of of that great, 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 great thing. And that's why it's great to automate your giving. You know, if you forget or maybe get distracted a little bit, you know, automate that. We're doing the 90-day tide challenge. It takes about 90 days to start a new habit. And, and we've got some packets under your chair. And we'd love for you to participate uh, with us. Many, many, many families have, have participated in the 90-day tide challenge over the years. And it's been a great way to get people started and in giving and 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 participating in financial stewardship. You know, it's funny, the only time that Jesus ever commended the Pharisees was because they tithed. Pretty much everything else Jesus said to them was a rebuke. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus, he affirmed, he affirmed the Pharisees. He said, You guys do tithe. I mean, you do have that right. And so sometimes people think, well, is, is tithing, is that just old, old covenant kind of stuff, or, or is that for today? Now, if you don't know what the old covenant is, then don't worry about it today. But if you do know what that is, or you've ever asked that question before, it's interesting that tithing actually predates the law. The law of Moses was given in the book of Exodus, and the first tithe that we find is found in Genesis chapter 12 with Melchizedek. So, so tithing actually predates the law. It goes all the way back. In fact, you could even say Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4. They were uh, bringing first fruits to the Lord, or at least Abel was. It goes way, 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 way back. This is a faith-building exercise. Listen, if God can have your finances, then guess what? Your faith is going to go through the roof. Your, your confidence in God is going to explode. For many people, this is the final, final frontier. And I've seen people that will do almost anything but tithe. But God wants your heart. God wants your heart. Your, your, your faith is going to go through a new level. David, can I have that change now? 
Thank you. Just bring that on up here. My faith honors the Lord. My faith helps me rethink my priorities. That's the first fruits, okay? Now check this out. My faith hastens the blessings of God, okay? Look at that. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So look, the Proverbs doesn't say this. Listen, if you, if you start giving, you're going to starve to death. You know, if you start giving, you, you, you're, God is not going to do anything to bless you. Okay. My faith hastens the blessings of God. He hastens the blessings of God. It does. And he says, your vats will brim over with new wine and your barns will be filled with overflowing. Now, listen, do you believe that God can save you from your sins. I want to ask you today, does some people believe that? I hope so. Yeah? Okay. Do we believe that God answers prayer? Okay. Amen? Do we believe that? Do we believe that God is good? Okay. So if God can do those things, can God provide for me financially? I think he can. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes it's like we have this one category like God can do anything except take care of my finances. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's don't put God in a little bitty box and put him in the basement, in the closet. Let's remember who God is. If God can redeem you, save you from your sins... Oh my goodness, he can take care of whatever you need. He can. And 2 Corinthians talks about it in the context of sowing and reaping. I love this passage. It reminds me, both of my granddads were Texas farmers. And with one of my granddads, I actually remember riding in his pickup to go around and looking at the corn and the cotton and the soybeans and whatever he was growing that that, that season, this is before laptop computers and my granddad used to count the rows of corn and, you know, he would do little estimations while I was with him and he would, you know, analyze everything, make sure it was all right. But listen, my granddad knew something. He knew that if he put seed in the ground, what was going to happen? A harvest was going to come, right? And, and it would be silly for a farmer to say, I want to have a harvest but I don't want to sow the seed, right? Like if we left all the seed in the barn and didn't put it into the field, it would be kind of silly to think, eh, I want to receive from God. This is what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. So we reap what we sow, um, we also will reap more than what we sow. Listen, when you put a corn seed into the ground and a stalk of corn grows, how many more times is it multiplied? That one seed can produce tremendous fruit that can produce more fruit that can produce more fruit and on and on and on and on and on and on. And so we always reap more than what we sow. We also reap later than what we sow. Sometimes we got to be a little bit patient because, because it, it takes a little while. Listen, I'm not telling you today if you start tithing that you're immediately going to get out of debt. 
What I will tell you is that God will start to work in your life and that over time, as you're faithful, God will do great things. Okay? Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus talked a little bit about this. He said, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put, uh, put into your lap, for with the measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. So in ancient times in the marketplace, when you bought some grain, if somebody was trying to rip you off, they would just, you know, put the grain in the bag, but they wouldn't shake it or press it down, right? It's kind of like when you buy a bag of Doritos and you open it and half of it's air. Has anybody ever felt ripped off? You're like, these guys got a great racket going on, right? <laughs> yeah. So Jesus says, listen, when you give, it'll be given back to you. It'll be pressed down. It'll be shaken together and it'll be running over. I mean, Come on now, for with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And I, I'll tell you, I've seen God bless, bless my life and my friends' lives and people in our church in so many different ways. It, it, it's, it's never the same for every single person, but it is always the power of God. Sometimes God blesses us through spiritual blessings, church blessings. Um, sometimes it's through raises. Sometimes it's through... Um, an opportunity to refinance loans, to free up cash, opportunities to make extra money, decreased expenses. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on and on. But when, when we give, God gets involved in the finances and God just starts to provide and to do what only God can do. It's a beautiful thing. I wanted to read a testimony from a lady a couple of years ago. She wrote this after she took the 90-day Todd challenge. She said, the 90-Day Tide Challenge has blessed my life in so many ways. When the challenge was first announced, I questioned whether it would be a good, good time for me financially since I knew money was tight. I considered waiting to do it later once things got more comfortable. But the still small voice told me to go ahead and take uh, this challenge uh, and, and to believe Malachi 3.10, test me in this. I have seen firsthand how God can do more with 90 than I could do with 100. My uh, paychecks have seemed to stretch further. I've received multiple blessings, whether it was from uh, a friend unexpectedly picking up a dinner tab here or there or unexplained credit uh, on my electric bill, which means I haven't had to pay an electric bill in two months. Um, God, God's provisions and blessings have been apparent throughout the time that I have been tithing faithfully. But most importantly, the 90-day challenge has helped me change my mindset when it comes to stewardship. I have learned to be more disciplined in my spending, and my faith has grown as I've seen God's provision for me. It wasn't that long ago that I paid my bills first and gave to the Lord afterwards. Now, my first transaction each month is to give 10% of my paycheck to the Lord. I have also sought out more opportunities to give to others, and I've seen how the Lord provides not only for myself, but he also provides for me and, and gives me means to give. When I received my year in giving statement, I was shocked by the sum that I had been able to give faithfully to the church. If someone had told me that I would give that amount by the end of the year and still be able to sustain my life, it would have seemed like an impossibility. For anyone who is, cons uh, is considering taking the challenge, I absolutely encourage it. Your faith will grow leaps and bounds and God will protect you and you will see God's provision at work. Come on, church, can we celebrate that? Isn't that great?
And this is a, this is a, a normal person, okay? All right, this is a normal person. This is somebody who's just probably like most of us today, just, just a normal person. Um, Mackenzie, come on up. I wanna, want you to help me real quick. Come on up, just stand right here. Do you have the dime? Yeah. Okay. All right, so the dime represents the tenth. Okay, I want you to hold that in your hand real tight. Okay? And I think I've got a little change here. Okay. Now, God wants us to be a conduit, right? A conduit. He blesses, and then we bless others. Okay? But a lot of times, if we're holding what we have so tightly... When God's trying to bless us, it's kind of difficult, right? It just bounces off. Okay, open up your hand a little bit. There you go. Now check this out. I got more dimes than you can imagine. (laughs) Here's what God says. If you'll open your hand, if you will open your hand, I will fill it up, and then you are to just dump it over. Pour it out. Isn't that great? Okay. And God says, listen, I got more dimes than you know what to do with. Pour it out. All right, now give me two hands. There we go. God says, I will fill it up. I will open the windows of heaven. Now, pour it out. I will bless you. Press down, shaken together, overflowing. Dump it out. Here you go. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate that. Isn't that good? Thank you, Mackenzie. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. God wants it to overflow. God's going to take care of you. Our faith, as we give, it honors the Lord. Number two, it helps us to rethink our priorities and it it hastens the blessings of God. Listen, God is going to do some awesome, amazing things in your life as you give. Let's pray together for just a moment.